Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, happy, happy Tuesday to you. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life here, our program where we try and understand how God is speaking to us, this hour of spiritual direction. How is God working in our lives? How can we hear his voice, hear his leading, so that we can grow in holiness, grow closer to him? Well, today as we begin the hour, are there certain lists of names or maybe titles or places that you get mixed up regularly? You can never seem to keep them straight. You know them. You've heard them several times before, but if you were quizzed on them, you'd likely mix them up. In our house, sometimes we'll do impromptu games uh, with our kids, you know, like naming the capitals of different states. My wife or I might throw out a name of a U.S. state, see if our kids can get the correct answer to the capital, the capital city. Uh, Sometimes, you know, if it's about the faith, it might be, can you name all four of the Gospels? Uh, Can you name... All five of the mysteries in order for this deck or this this uh, set of mysteries for the rosary, or maybe it's some sort of science questions. You know, what are the three different types of rocks? Do you remember that from uh, science class when you were young? Igneous, sedimentary, and metamorphic. One area that I never seem to get correct when I'm talking with somebody about church history, I always mix it up, even though I've heard about them or I've read about them dozens of times. I cannot seem to keep straight the names of different heresies. If, I, if somebody mentions a heresy by name, I usually have to ask them, all right, which one is that? So I thought it might be a good learning moment here to play a little quiz with our spiritual director today. Father James Kabicki is here for the hour. And, of course, you can play along too. But um, I asked him ahead of the show if he would play Name That Heresy with us. So... Now, just so we all understand, what is a heresy? Well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church defines a heresy uh, as when a baptized member of the Catholic Church, when they are obstinate, in obstinate denial of some truth, which must be believed with divine and Catholic faith, or, likewise, an obstinate doubt concerning some truth, which must be believed. So either a truth or a doubt, uh, denial of a truth or some, some obstinate doubt. So that's what a heresy is. That's the definition. Father uh, Jim Kubicki, are you ready to play Name That Heresy? I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. The rules are simple. I'm just going to give you a very basic description of the heresy, and you just try and name it. And we'll go through, I've got five of them here for you. So the first heresy, Father, this one was addressed in both the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople. It basically holds that Jesus wasn't divine. He was created by the Father, but he was not eternal. Rather, he had a beginning in time. Can you name that heresy? Okay, now I know that that comes 
uh, from a, a early bishop by the name of Arian, and the name of that heresy is Arianism. All right, one for one. Off to a good start here, Father. All right, next heresy. This one was also early in the history of the Church, and in this heresy there was a belief that matter was evil. Only the spirit or the soul was good. And this led to the denial of the incarnation of Christ, saying that Jesus was pure spirit. He was not truly human. He only appeared as a man because if he would have had a material body, that would have been evil. So can you name that heresy? Wow. Now I'm torn. I have a couple things in mind. Uh, One is Gnosticism, with a G, Gnosticism, and the other is Docetism. And so I think I'm going to go with Gnosticism. Yeah, and there are a handful of heresies that kind of fall under the broader scope of Gnosticism. Um, But Gnosticism was the general kind of uh, uh, heresy that a lot of these others fell under. So yes, you're correct. Two for two, Father. All right. Heresy number three. Are you, are you feeling pretty good, pretty confident so far? Well, you know, I was waiting for Glenn to come in with, uh, you know, cymbals crashing and uh, music, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, he's probably getting the news ready for uh, another segment. That's right. All right, heresy number three. This is actually a very recent heresy. Uh, it was addressed in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, And this heresy is really comprised of, kind of like Gnosticism, has a lot of different mini-heresies that all kind of come together. But it looks to modern progress and the work or the initiative of the individual person as opposed to looking to the authority of the church. Any ideas on this heresy? Yes, and I I remember when it was condemned, I, I think, by Pope Pius X, um, Pope St. Pius X, he said that this was, in a sense, the synthesis of, of all heresies. And so this one is modernism. Well, there is modernism. I was actually, the one I was talking about, which includes modernism, but it's even a little later than that, Americanism, one that's named oh. for our own, our own country here. Uh, so oh, are okay. you familiar with that one as well? Yes, yes. And uh, that was, um, and in many ways, a confusion about what, um, you know, the United States was actually uh, proposing. Or so there was. I remember it was a lot of confusion, and and, uh, a man by the name of Isaac Hecker, the founder of the Paulists, um, was often accused of this, but uh, it showed that he actually was not uh, given to that heresy. But anyway, I missed that one then. I'm still going to give you a half a point, because modernism kind of is the, the, the uh, I don't know, the father, the mother, the parent of Americanism. So we'll, we'll give you two and a half out of three right now, Father. Still okay, doing quite good. well. All right, fourth, this heresy first popped up in the 5th century. St. Augustine was a central figure who spoke out against this mistaken teaching, and it essentially said that humans did not inherit the stain of original sin from Adam, that man is born morally neutral, and that each of us has the power to achieve our own salvation, to become righteous of our own efforts. God's grace is not necessary. God's grace can make our efforts to attain salvation a bit easier, but it's not necessary. Can you name that heresy? Okay, that one is Pelagianism. You got it. 
Absolutely. All right. So fifth and final heresy here. We've got uh, we've gone four. Father uh, James Kubicki is here with us today. He's got three and a half out of four. Uh, so, yeah, batting average is really high here. Uh, fifth and final, this heresy became popular in the 17th century in Europe, especially in France. And it's actually your fellow Jesuits who stood most firmly against this heresy, which mainly taught that Jesus did not die for everyone, but only for those who would be saved. And this this heresy overemphasized sin and the wrath of God. It focused strongly on predestination to the point of no longer allowing for free will of the individual person. And it held that God actively destined some souls to heaven, but also actively destined some souls to hell. Can you name this heresy? Well, this one, like some of the others, is also named after um, a theologian or a figure in the church uh, who promoted this, and his name was Jansen. So this heresy is called Jansenism. That's exactly right. So four and a half out of five, that's uh, definitely a passing grade there, Father, and uh, you are now the reigning champion of name that heresy uh, here on Relevant Radio. So now I specifically chose Jansenism as the final heresy for our little quiz because that heresy, the overemphasis of God's wrath and our complete unworthiness as humans, this had helped to instill this atmosphere in France of trepidation and fear as being the primary response to God and to the Christian message. And it was right around this time that a young nun in France, she was only 27 years old, she started to receive revelations from Jesus. This was, the year was 1674. And for over a year, for about 13 months, Jesus appeared to her and revealed the infinite love that he has for each of us. And that nun, her name is St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, and Jesus showed to her his love through the image of his sacred heart. And this month of June is dedicated to the sacred heart of Jesus. And later this month, we're going to celebrate the solemnity of the sacred heart. But today, since we have this whole month dedicated to the sacred heart, we want to take this hour to better understand what Jesus shared with St. Margaret Mary, what this message means for us, and how we can share this divine love with the world around us. And again, as as you know, Father James Kabicki is here with us. And he also uh, is the author of a book relating, uh, dealing with devotion to the Sacred Heart. It is called A Heart on Fire, Rediscovering Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And he's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. A regular voice here, you hear his uh, daily reflections on relevant radio. And Father, um, as we do begin our conversation here about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, can maybe you start us off telling us a little bit more about St. Margaret Mary and the apparitions, the messages that she received from Jesus? I'd be happy to. Uh, St. Margaret Mary was a visitation sister, and she um, received these apparitions. Jesus appeared to her, revealing his heart on fire. Now, of course, um, you know, the Church is very careful about private revelations and apparitions, and and so there, it was somewhat, you know, very suspect that Jesus was actually appearing to her, because she, she wasn't very much of a noteworthy person in her community. Um, but, lo and behold, a Jesuit by the name of, now he's a saint, his name was Claude La Colombière, uh, was sent to the convent of the Visitation Sisters in Paray-le-Monial, where 
um, he became the confessor and spiritual director for the sisters there. And as he listened to St. Margaret Mary talk about what she was experiencing, he felt within himself the Holy Spirit moving and confirming that this was not a hysterical person making these things up or uh, having, as, as it were, um, you know, dreams, and uh, but that this was authentic. And uh, so in time, his um, affirmation of these apparitions led to uh, St. Margaret Mary's uh, revelations being approved by the Church. Um, one of the revelations, Jesus, you know, in revealing his heart on fire, said that um, the world had become very cold, that people were ignoring him in the Blessed Sacrament, and that um, he wanted a feast of reparation, basically uh, a feast in which people would go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, and honor him present in the Blessed Sacrament and make up for the coldness that they um, treat him with. And so it took a while for this feast to enter into the calendar of the Church. But as you um, mentioned, uh, Josh, we're going to be celebrating later this month um, it will be on uh, the 16th of, uh, excuse me, the 17th of the month. We'll be celebrating the feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and um, and uh, I, I, I think I no, I take that back. Actually, it's going to be the 24th. Right, the 24th, and it's so important the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus that normally the uh, 24th is the birth day of St. John the Baptist, also a major feast. And because the Sacred Heart of Jesus feast is so important, it basically bumps the birthday a day earlier to the 23rd of June. So um, we have this great opportunity during the whole month of June to reflect on the love of Jesus revealed by uh, through his Sacred Heart and uh, to increase our own devotion to Jesus under that title, Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, I, I mentioned your book that you wrote on devotion to the Sacred Heart. It's called A Heart on Fire. Um, why is this devotion so important to you personally, Father? Well, you know, it's funny. People will often ask me, well, you must have grown up in a family where this was an important devotion, or where in your uh, home you had a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, or where your family had consecrated itself as a family to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. But none of those things are true. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't part of my experience growing up. But I grew up in a, I would call it a traditional Polish-American family, where devotions of one kind or another were important, and I think they touched my heart where I realized, you know, the faith is more than what we think. It's also what, what we feel and how we relate to Jesus on uh, a more intimate level. And so my childhood prepared me for when I entered the Jesuits, and um, at the time of St. Margaret Mary and St. Claude Le Colombier, um, the uh, Jesuits were given the uh, commission to promote this devotion. And so I began reading about that as a Jesuit novice and a young Jesuit, and uh, all of this led to my having a deeper and deeper devotion to Jesus under that title, Sacred Heart. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the day that I was ordained a priest, 
that year in 1983 happened to be the feast day of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Mm, that's beautiful. As we do talk about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, um, let me open up the phone lines here, too, for our listeners. Uh, maybe you're listening and you have, just like Father Jim Kabicki, you've, you've grown in your love for Christ through this devotion, devotion to the Sacred Heart. Or maybe you have a question about devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You're welcome to call in and talk with Father Jim at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife@relevantradio.com. When we're talking about the Sacred Heart of Jesus, um, you know, God having that perfect sacrificial love that he offers for each one of us. I think it's important to make sure that we don't misunderstand or misrepresent God's love because we use that word love in so many ways in our contemporary culture. I love chocolate. I love pizza. I love my dog. I love the weekend, but almost all these kinds of things, you know, and, and we know we're speaking kind of superficially, you know, it's not the same love we might talk about for a spouse or for children. But so many of these things that I mentioned, uh, foods or, or you know, uh, the time that we have to spend on our own, it really is focused around my own pleasure, my own enjoyment. It becomes this inward kind of focused uh, love. I love to eat chocolate, you know. Uh, it's something I enjoy. I love doing what I want to on the weekend because I don't have to worry about work. I don't have a boss that's trying to tell me what to do. But that's such a different idea of love from the love of God. So can you help us maybe to take a step back and reorient ourselves so that we have a proper understanding of true love, of the love that God offers us when we're talking about the sacred heart of Jesus? Yeah, uh, Josh, you know, you're right. All those examples uh, have a focus on me and how I'm feeling and what makes me feel good and what gives me pleasure. And what we see in the sacred heart of Jesus is is uh, giving, a total giving, a sacrifice. And so that's where the symbolism of the Sacred Heart comes in, where um, when Jesus appeared, his heart was on fire to show love, passionate love. Uh, it was surrounded by a crown of thorns, as his head was uh, when he was crucified. Uh, there's a cross on top of the heart of Jesus, reminding us of that crucifixion, and then his heart is pierced. And so, uh, as it was in, according to the Gospel of John, chapter 19, his, his heart was pierced after he died by a soldier to make sure that he was dead. And so, in all that symbolism of the heart of Jesus, we see Jesus giving, a total giving of himself. So it's not about getting, but giving. And uh, that's what Jesus um, looks for. He, he looks for us to recognize how much he has given us so that our hearts will be moved to want to uh, return love for love and to give back to him our own lives and ourselves. What are ways that we can, I guess, you know, uh, everything, I, I, I say this again and again here on this program, everything that we do should be uh, started in an atmosphere of prayer. And sometimes I just kind of go on with this kind of understood, well, we, we, we all know that, right? We all know it should all begin with prayer. But with that kind of understanding, start with prayer. What are some things that we can do that can help us 
to have that same sort of love, that same offering, not wanting to get, not wanting to receive, but offering love to those around us and having that sacrificial attitude of love that we want to give to those around us. How can we, how can we kind of instill and maybe grow that in ourselves? Well, I think it begins, Josh, and when I was the national director of the Apostleship of Prayer, which is now uh, known as the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, uh, we promoted this um, spirituality of, of sacrificial giving, of returning love for love. And I think the, the best way to begin that is by beginning one's day with an offering prayer. And so the traditional morning offering prayer, I think, is, is really significant. It goes like this, O oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you all my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world for the intentions of your Sacred Heart. And so basically, we're looking at Jesus and his intention. The intention of his heart is that everyone in the world would know his love, receive it, and return love for love, and be with him forever in the kingdom of heaven. And so when we offer ourselves in our day through Mary to Jesus, all our prayers, works, joys, and sufferings, we're doing so in union with the Mass for the intentions of the heart of Jesus. Um, Basically, again, that the world would be saved. The world has been saved by Jesus, but the world doesn't recognize that or accept it. And so we have a part to play now in that. And um, I think we see this also in the revelations of our Blessed Mother at Fatima, where she taught the children to make little sacrifices um, and she said, now, you know, when you encounter something difficult during the day, um, make a prayer and, and say to the Lord, I'm doing this for love of you and for the salvation of souls. And that's where we see, again, this spirituality of giving, of sacrificial love coming out, that every day we have opportunities to um, make an offering to the Lord, uh, something unpleasant, a hardship, a suffering of one kind or another, whether it's physical or emotional. We can say, Lord, you know, I don't like this, but I'm doing this, I'm offering this to you as an act of love for the salvation of souls. Our spiritual director is Father James Kabicki, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. Today we're talking about devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus during this month of June that's devoted to the Sacred Heart, and also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. How has devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus helped you to grow in your love for Christ, to grow in that sacrificial love that you can offer um, maybe you have a question about devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Again, you can call in 888-914-9149, and we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Rachel, who's listening in Illinois, for donating her Volkswagen. Join in with thousands of other listeners to donate your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. Welcome back to The Inner Life, as today we're talking about devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus during this month of June that's devoted to the Sacred Heart. 
and our spiritual director, a regular voice you hear daily with his prayer reflections on Relevant Radio. Father James Kubicki is with us. He's the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. Also has a book that he's written about devotion to the Sacred Heart. It's called A Heart on Fire, Rediscovering Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And uh, Father, picking up kind of where we left off, uh, you were talking about the morning offering. I also I should mention if somebody heard that prayer and you want to find a copy of that, uh, that's available on the Relevant Radio app. If you open up the app in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little button that says pray. And if you look under basic prayers, you can get that morning offering prayer that Father Jim mentioned. Um, but Father, as you were talking about the Apostleship of Prayer, now the, the Pope's Worldwide Prayer Network, during this month of June, devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus... Uh, Pope Francis, he has called upon the faithful to pray for love to grow within families. And his prayer intention for this month, it states, We pray for Christian families around the world. May they embody and experience unconditional love and advance in holiness in their daily lives. And there are so many families with all kinds of problems in our world, you know, families that are not even families any longer, all kinds of division pain that people deal with. How do you think looking to the heart of Jesus, the sacred heart of Jesus and his love, how can that help families to be healed, to be able to grow in that unconditional love for each other? Well, as as we mentioned with the morning offering prayer, it's um, a way of beginning the day thinking not so much about what am I getting, but uh, how can I show my love for Jesus uh, better. And so in family life, the way one shows their love for the Lord is by loving those that God has put into your life. So your family, uh, the, your neighbor who happens to be closest to you, your family. And the inspiration that we have for that is, again, the heart of Jesus, where he loves with that total love. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, you let people uh, do whatever they want. You know, uh, sometimes people hear me talk about this and they say, well, if you're in an abusive situation, does that mean you have to stay in there and, and um, you know, uh, suffer? And um, God does not call us to uh, be in situations like that where, uh, as it were, we put the other person in, uh, in an occasion of, of sin. Uh, God calls us to uh, have good boundaries and to and part of uh, loving another can be that tough love of saying no i i cannot support you and allow you to do this in our family so um it doesn't mean letting people do whatever they want um but in family life where jesus is the heart of the family and that's what i think pope uh, francis is getting at with his prayer intention this month is that we make Jesus the heart of the family during this month dedicated to the Sacred Heart. And one way of doing that, of course, is it's known as um, Sacred Heart Enthronement or uh, Consecration of a Family to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, in which a, a family basically decides we want Jesus to be the head of our household, to be the king and center of our hearts and our family life. And so there are different ways of doing this, um, but usually what they involve is having a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus that is placed in a prominent spot in one's home. And then it's a reminder, okay, we want to live more and more uh, out of the love of Jesus, 
like the love of Jesus, but also to show our love for Jesus by how we live as a family. And I once uh, helped a family um, consecrate themselves to the Sacred Heart, and, and one of the things that uh, we talked about in their preparation was that when disagreements occurred in the family, which is natural, one way of dealing with conflict and disagreement is to pause and to go before that image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and to say, Jesus is the head of this family. Let's turn to him in prayer and ask him to help us resolve this conflict, this uh, situation that we're in disagreement over. And um, so that's one way of uh, taking this devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and applying it in a very practical way in our families. So when you talk about that consecration or that enthronement of a family to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, is that something that uh, they would need to talk with maybe their parish priest about? Is that something where they need to kind of, you know, look up what that involves on their own? Uh, where, where would somebody start? Well, certainly um, going on the Internet, I know I'm trying to remember the, the where it was. It was somewhere in Ohio. There was a priest who put together um, a series of talks helping people prepare to consecrate their family to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It is a good idea to uh, talk to a parish priest about that. And, um, I mean, the ideal would be to have a priest or deacon come to the house and um, be part of a little prayer service, blessing the image of the Sacred Heart and uh, the family consecrating themselves together. Um, but it's not necessary. Um, that can be done by individual families on their own. Um, there are different groups. Um, there's one in Syracuse, New York, um, called the Sacred Heart Apostolate. You can look them up. And um, they've been doing this uh, work with families for years and have a lot of materials as well. So there are, there are materials out there on the Internet and um, that can be used. Um, and I recommend doing some preparation, getting a prayer to formalize this, to have an image of the Sacred Heart. And if you can, you know, to have a priest or deacon come and, and bless the image for you in your house. Wonderful. Again, talking with Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director here for the hour, our phone number to call in, 888-914-9149. If you have a question about devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, or maybe uh, how you can, you can share with us how your love for Christ has grown through your devotion to the Sacred Heart, 888-914-9149. And I guess maybe it'd be good to talk about when we talk about having a devotion uh, to a particular prayer practice or, you know, something like that, even with the Sacred Heart, we'll say, I have a devotion. But in reality, it's more the other way around. God has a devotion to us in, this, in, in the Sacred Heart. Yeah, that's right, Josh. And I, I talk about this in, in the book that I wrote, uh, A Heart on Fire, where, you know, our devotion is simply... Um, a reaction or um, it's uh, a return of love for love. So um, there's an early church bishop by the name of Diaticus who once wrote that the measure of our love for God depends upon how deeply aware we are of God's love for us. And so St. John, in his uh, first letter, uh, the first letter of John, he says, this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us. And so our love for God, our devotion to God, is really 
a response to God's love for us. And so that's why I like to say that, you know, any devotion that we have is simply a response to God's devotion, God's devoted love, God's passionate love for each one of us. Mm. You also mentioned Our Lady of Fatima. You talked about um, how we can grow in love for God and offer up those little sufferings, do that penance. Um, that that was a message of Our Lady of Fatima, along with the message here of the Sacred Heart. Another word that you mentioned earlier in the hour that has that same sort of connection uh, with Our Lady of Fatima is the word reparation. Can, can you take a moment to explain the connection between devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and reparation? Because um, that is, you know, that's one of those main messages Our Lady of Fatima said, make reparation for sins, for, for offenses against God. That's right, and and it's very much a part of the um, appearances of Jesus to Saint Margaret Mary, where where he was calling for reparation. And as we said earlier, um, Jesus looked at the world, how cold it had become, how it was ignoring him, uh, how Jansenism was portraying God as this wrathful, angry God who who could would never be happy with humanity, who did not love humanity, who demanded. Uh, from humanity. And so in response to Jansenism, Jesus appeared uh, with this tender love of his heart, uh, saying, believe in my love and don't stay away from Holy Communion, but uh, if you've made a good confession and are in the state of grace, come to me in Holy Communion. So um, in his uh, message to St. Margaret Mary and to the world, uh, Jesus was asking us to make up for that coldness, to make up for sin. So reparation, basically, you know, it comes from the same word that we have for repair, um, to realize that our sins uh, hurt the body of Christ and have an effect and have consequences that go well beyond us. There's no uh, sense of, well, I'm only hurting myself with my sin. As part of the human family and as part of the body of Christ, our sins hurt not only ourselves but others. And so the idea of reparation is to repair the damage that sin has caused, uh, to make up for what others uh, have done. When we look at Jesus dying on the cross, that's what he was doing. He was making reparation for the sins of humanity. He was repairing the damage of sin, uh, reconciling humanity to the Father. And so we now, as members of the body of Christ, continue that work that Jesus began on the cross, uh, the work of reparation. Um, our sins have effects, and when we uh, make those sacrificial offerings as uh, an act of reparation, what we're doing is repairing the damage and making up for sin in our world. So how does that look practically? What are some things that we can do to repair uh, what has been caused by sin to make that reparation? Well, um, you know, when we, we look and uh, when we go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, you know, the priest often gives a, a well, always gives a penance. Uh, sometimes right. it's a simple prayer. Um, but a lot of times when, when I celebrate the sacrament with people, what I try to do is to connect the prayer that I will ask someone to offer to uh, something that they may have confessed in their uh, confession. So, for example, if somebody is uh, says, you know, I, I uh, gossip about 
uh, certain people at work. Uh, what I'll have them do is to offer prayer for those people that they may talk about um, and ask God to bless those people. And so penance, reparation, that kind of uh, penance is trying to repair the damage that my gossip about others has created or has done. Um, and so that's the most basic uh, form, I think, of reparation is, is the penance that we have when we celebrate the Sacrament of Reconciliation. But again, throughout our day, there may be opportunities that we have um, where um, we're encountering some suffering or some um, moment of hardship or inconvenience in our life, and where we can turn that into a prayer that I re- recommend to people. You try to make it as practical as possible, whether it's praying for the people of Ukraine um, when we're experiencing some tension in our lives, or whatever the the sacrifice we're offering, to have something in mind that we're trying to repair the damage of sin. And certainly, you know, war is sinful, and it's also a consequence of sin. And so to offer sacrifices for that is certainly very well done. Again, talking with Father James Kabicki here on uh, The Inner Life today in our studio line, 888-914-9149, as we discuss devotion to the Sacred Heart. And how has your devotion to the Sacred Heart helped you to grow and know and love and serve Christ better? Maybe you have a question about devotion to the Sacred Heart. You're welcome to call in 888-914-9149. And we'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is the month of June devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and that's what we're talking about. That's what we're discussing here on The Inner Life today. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, the director of the St. Francis Mission on the Rosebud Reservation in western South Dakota. Also, he's written a book about devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It's called A Heart on Fire, Rediscovering Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And we're also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, Father, let's go to David, who's listening in San Antonio. David, welcome to The Inner Life. Uh, Hello. Thank you very much for uh, taking my call. Uh, My question is about the uh, actual image of the Sacred Heart and also the image of uh, divine mercy. It seems that uh, both devotions uh, promote that you have to have that particular image. And I was wondering if uh, just having a crucifix on the wall, if that also suffices for following the devotion. Uh, Thank you very very, much. You're welcome, David. Uh, Very good question, and I'm glad you brought up um, the, um, the question about divine mercy. Um, as our listeners probably know, in the 1930s, Jesus appeared to uh, St. Faustina and asked that an image be drawn or painted of himself 
uh, and there's two rays, red and white, that come forth from his chest. And they, uh, Jesus said these indicate the blood and water that flowed out from him at his uh, crucifixion. And so the, the, all of these are very related. The crucifix, the image of divine mercy, and uh, the image of the sacred heart of Jesus. Um, the uh, Dr. Robert Stackpole, who is the um, director of the St. John Paul II Institute of Divine Mercy, uh, wrote about this, and, and he said that um, these two uh, devotions, Divine Mercy and the Sacred Heart Devotion, are really closely bound together. In fact, they're inseparable. And he says the reason they're inseparable is because Jesus has one heart. It's a heart that's uh, filled with love. It's a sacred heart. And it's also a heart of mercy. And so I really see these two devotions as as really one uh, one devotion with perhaps a little different emphasis. In fact, if you read the, the diary of, of St. Faustina, it, she always refers to uh, the heart of Jesus, the sacred heart of Jesus, and, uh, um, and how Jesus is calling her to draw closer to his heart. So clearly, uh, the two uh, devotions are inseparable. And when people ask me, can you use an image of divine mercy when you do consecration in your family to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Um, I've never seen anyone uh, write about this to say it's forbidden or you shouldn't do that. Um, Because I think these two devotions are inseparable, I think it is a very good idea uh, that if one chooses to use the image of divine mercy um, to do so, when they consecrate their families to the Sacred Heart. Um, it's okay to use the image of divine mercy. Your question, David, about it, does the crucifix suffice? I, th- I think every Catholic home should have a crucifix. In fact, I think every room in a Catholic home should have a crucifix as a reminder of, of the love of Jesus on the cross. And so the devotion of divine mercy and the Sacred Heart come out of the, the cross of Jesus, the crucifix. But I think it, uh, to remind people of uh, the emphasis on the heart, I, I think it would be better to have an image of divine mercy or an image of the sacred heart when doing uh, a consecration and using that in addition to having a crucifix in the house somewhere or in every room. So um, I think while... The crucifix does have the pierced side of Jesus, um, the entryway into his heart. I, I think it's it's good to define it even more by having an image of divine mercy or the sacred heart as well as a crucifix. Uh, David, thanks so much for the call. And, uh, you know, Father, as you're talking about this too, it might be good to draw kind of uh, a line here and, and uh, maybe bring some clarity that while there is the importance of having these images in your home, the images in and of themselves, they don't, it's not like they're a lucky charm or some sort of, you know, you, you put this up and all of a sudden, uh, you know, everything's going to go perfect in your life or you'll never have any more problems. Really what this is about is about us growing in relationship with Christ. And just in the same way that, 
you know, if, if we have grown kids that have moved out of the house and we have their picture up on the wall, it's because we love them. We want to be reminded of them. Uh, I want to pray for my kids every day. And so kind of in a similar fashion, if I have that devotion to the Sacred Heart, it's not that, um, you know, having that image does something special other than it reminds me of that special connection I have with Christ and makes me more likely than on a daily or even, you know, several times a day to call out to, you know, say, oh, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your love for me. Um, you know, if, if we get into that realm of if I put this image up, uh, I'm going to I'm going to be protected or, uh, you know, I'm not going to have anything go wrong in my life. You're really uh, looking at that as a good luck charm and you're not relying on the love, the mercy, the goodness of God. I'm so glad you brought that up, Josh, because that that can be um, a danger, a temptation, that if we consecrate ourselves as a family to the Sacred Heart and have an image in our family, um, that we might uh, automatically think, okay, now everything's going to be fine. Um, but it, 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 obviously that's, that's not the way it works. And part of the reason for having the image is to say, I want to live as... Um, someone devoted to the sacred heart of Jesus. So you're right, it's not a good luck charm, and it doesn't guarantee that everything is going to be fine, but it means that Jesus, you honor Jesus, you're devoted to him, and he is going to walk uh, closely with you through your life because you are devoted with you, uh, to him, and he's going to help you uh, carry the cross that may come your way. So uh, it doesn't take away uh, suffering or challenges, but it, it's a, a way of opening ourselves up to the grace that the Lord wants to give us as, as we carry crosses that carry on the work of reparation. Right. And then we can trust, just as uh, St. Paul tells us, that God will work all things for our good if we love God. Um, so, uh, Father, one of the other things that I think is important before the hour runs out is... Um, if we want to grow in devotion to Jesus and his sacred heart, you know, having that image on the wall, that's a wonderful thing to do. There are all kinds of different approaches that we can take, and all the different approaches might be good. You know, uh, maybe that is spending time in prayer. Maybe it's reading the words of Jesus in the Bible, or maybe looking at writings of different saints and how they grew closer to Christ. But the very best, the primary way for us to grow closer to Jesus is by receiving him and spending time with him in the Eucharist. That's right. And, um, Josh, what I recommend to people, two things. One, you know, the Eucharist has two parts to it. There's the uh, liturgy of the Word. And so when we hear the gospel being proclaimed, I encourage people to think for a moment, reflect what was going on in the heart of Jesus at that moment in the gospel story. And in that way, through the Word of God, we enter more deeply into the thoughts and feelings of Jesus and his heart. And then when we come to the second part of the Eucharist, the uh, celebration of his sacrifice, the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and we receive him in Holy Communion, to do so aware that Jesus took flesh, he has a human heart like ours that is also divine, and that he gives himself to us in the reception of Holy Communion. Uh, we believe he comes to us body, blood, soul, and divinity, and that includes his sacred heart to transform our hearts to make them more like his own. 
So it might be good when we approach Holy Communion to have that little prayer in our minds. Jesus, I'm receiving you, your sacred heart. Make my heart more like yours. Transform my heart so that it can be more like yours. So I mentioned earlier, uh, we were talking about the fact that Later this month, this entire month is devoted to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but we'll have that special solemnity coming up on June 24th. Uh, The very next day, June 25th, it's the Memorial of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So we've got the Sacred Heart, we look at Jesus' heart, immediately right after that we turn and look to the Heart of Mary. Can you also talk, you, you mentioned how the message of divine mercy and the devotion to the Sacred Heart are really almost one devotion. What's the connection between the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Well, there there was a song that was popular in the 1980s that has the line, Two Hearts Beat as One. And it's, it was a love song, a romance song. And, and when we think about the heart of Jesus, the heart of Mary, the two hearts beat as one. Uh, St. John Paul II said that the heart that is closest to the heart of Jesus, the one that is most like the heart of Jesus, is the heart of Mary. And so we honor those two hearts together because they are so close together uh, and they are uh, so much like each other. And uh, one way of increasing our devotion to the heart of Jesus is, again, to go to Jesus through and with Mary uh, and praying that our heart may be like uh, Mary's heart, which most resembles the heart of Jesus. So um, the Church wisely puts those two feast days right next to each other to remind us of how those two hearts are so much alike Beautiful. Uh, Father Jim, we are down to just our last minute and a half here, but I wanted to give a little extra time uh, just as we conclude the hour today. Uh, Could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners as uh, we wrap up this hour and maybe just a special uh, appeal to Jesus' sacred heart? I'm happy to do that, Josh. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, whom we honor every day, but especially under the title of the Sacred Heart of Jesus during this month of June. We ask you that our own awareness of his love may grow and grow, that we may become more aware of of his devoted and passionate love for us, and not only for us individually, but for our families and for every member of the human race. We pray that as we have a heart that is more like the heart of your Son, that our hearts may be open in love to our neighbor especially those who we may be having trouble with or having difficulty with. We pray that that our heart may be softened so that we pray for them and their conversion. We pray that your blessing may come upon us, all our families, our entire church and our world for which Jesus gave his love and opened his heart. And may the blessing of Almighty God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come upon all who are listening and our families and friends. Amen. Amen. Always a joy to talk with you, Father Jim Kavicki. Thank you for being here with us for the hour. And I want to again mention his book. If you'd like to uh, dive a little deeper into devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, it's called A Heart on Fire, Rediscovering Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I want to say thank you also to Nick Santovich and Thomas Engesser for their help in producing the program today. Tomorrow, Father Dave Heaney is going to be with us. We're going to talk about servant leadership, looking at Jesus, looking at Mary, how they served others while still being in that role of a leader. It's going to be a great conversation. I hope you can join us then. Stay tuned. Mass is next here on Relevant Radio.